By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly, a friendly welcome to the spies. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the examples of faith that we have to look to, uh, to encourage us, to challenge us, uh, to spur us on, to show us what is possible uh, for us today, uh, even now in 2021, uh, all these years later, to live by faith uh, in you and in your promises, uh, the gospel promise that you've made to us through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you'll uh, stir our faith this morning. I pray, Lord, that if anyone hasn't put their faith in Jesus, uh, Lord, I pray today would be the day that you would open their eyes uh, to the wonder and the truth of the gospel. Uh, we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So you probably heard it uh, time and time again there as we read that passage. Faith by faith over and over again. Each sentence starting like that. And that's what we're looking at this morning as we jump back into our series in Hebrews. We've had a two-week break um, for Easter there. Uh, but we're now back into Hebrews 11, uh, continuing on this journey. It's almost like we're journeying up a, a mountain, if you can imagine it, uh, and looking at the views along the way. Different people who the writer says, look to that person, a very ordinary person, but someone who had faith in an extraordinary God who trusted in him and his promises. And think about the, the context of this book, who this writer is writing to. He's writing to Christians, Jewish Christians, who are struggling in their faith. Those Christians who have, it says in chapter 10, endured a hard struggle because of their faith in Jesus. And they're tempted to be Christian chameleons. They're tempted to change, to shrink back, you know what a chameleon is? It changes its color to protect itself from predators. And that's what they are tempted to do. To turn away from faith in Jesus, to abandon their faith, and to go back to the old covenant ways that they knew in the past. But the writer of the Hebrews says, as he, as he walks them up this mountain, as he uh, encourages them to look at the views on either side, the great pictures of faith that they can see, that he says, look at these examples. People who've done it before. People who've persevered in their faith right to the end. Amidst struggles and trials. Amidst suffering, as we're going to see. But people who, as Andrew told us a couple of weeks ago when we looked at this, read the promises of God into every circumstances. That's what living by faith looks like. And in the first half we saw in verses 1 and 2 what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And by faith the people of old, they received their commendation from God. So they received their, their good standing before God. They're, uh, they're made right with God by faith. And the writer then in the first half also showed us what faith looked like lived out what it looks like for us to live it out to. Men and women having faith in an unseen future, which has been promised by God, future eternal realities, which they know with full assurance and confidence are there and are real 
and will one day be experienced by them. Think of Abraham. He talked a lot about Abraham, and we're going to see Abraham again in these next few verses in 17 to 19 that we're looking at today. By faith, Abraham obeyed God's call to leave his wealth and homeland behind and to follow God. He lived looking forward to that heavenly city, investing everything in the hopes of finding his home there. And faith helped him to trust God's seemingly impossible promise of having a child, even when him and his wife were well past the age of bearing children. Verses 17 to 31 that we're looking at today, they continue that theme of living by faith. Faith that helps us read the promises of God into every circumstance. And there are three things just this morning that I want us to to see and to be encouraged by in our faith and to be challenged by in our faith as well today. And here's the first thing. Faith that's confident even in the face of death. Look at these people and see their faith that's confident even in the face of death. The writer says, look at the great patriarchs of Israel. So he's got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph in those first few verses. And all four of those examples show us how faith gives great confidence even in the face of death. Let me read it for us. The first part, 17 to 19, about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. The Bible tells us, 1 Peter being an example, the book of James being an example as well, that there are times in life when God tests the faith of the believer. There are times, sometimes, not always, when we endure trials and struggles given by God to help us strengthen our faith, to purify us and our faith, to put us through the refiner's fire, really, to test and prove the genuineness of our faith, as 1 Peter says. Times when we're stripped back and all we have is our dependence on God. We turn to him and we trust him like never before. And this is what we see in this incredible example of Abraham. We see it in Genesis 22. God testing Abraham's faith in an incredible way by calling him to sacrifice his son Isaac. His beloved son. The one who he loves dearly. And this is the one as well through whom God has made some uh, massive promises to Abraham, to bless Abraham, to give him many descendants that would fill the earth, to make Abraham a father of all nations. But it says, by faith in God and his gospel promise, Abraham laid his son on the altar at Mount Moriah. And I'm sure with tears in his eyes, as he lifted that knife above his son. By faith, he was ready to sacrifice his son. But God saw Abraham's great faith and he stopped him in that moment. The writer explains that by faith, Abraham was confident, even in the face of death, that God would keep his gospel promise. 
He believed that God was able, as it says in verse 19, to raise Isaac back to life again if he needed to. Because he knew that when God makes a promise, he is always faithful. And you can read in the original account in in Genesis 22 of how Abraham in his faith, the confidence that he had when he left his servants to go up the mountain, Mount Moriah, with his son to sacrifice him, he said that he would come back with Isaac, that both of them would return. Such was his confidence in God, even in the face of death, his faith in God and his promises. And for us, as believers this morning, our faith helps us to have confidence even in the face of death too. Because we trust the gospel promise that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and therefore he will raise us to life one day. Even if we die. The promise of life forever with him. That's what we celebrated last week on Resurrection Sunday. And faith gives us the confidence to say, as we sit beside the bed of a loved one who's uh, breathing their final breath, you don't need to fear death. You are safe in the hands of your loving father. Death is not the end. Death leads to life because there are wonderful things in store for you when you meet your savior, Jesus. By faith, even in death, we can cling to the promises of God. Knowing that through the death and and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we too, if we put our faith in him, will live forever with him. That's faith in God's resurrection power. And that's the faith we see displayed in the life of Abraham here. But then look at verses 20 to 22, because we see faith that helps us to close our eyes in death and to leave our loved ones behind safe and secure in the confidence that God will bless, that he will bless them. That's what we see in the examples of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, his two sons. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each one, of his sons, each one of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. These are men who lay on their deathbeds, confident in the knowledge that God would bless their families. By faith, Isaac knew that God would be faithful and bless his sons even after he'd gone, even after Isaac had done so many things wrong in his life, been so unfaithful, a lousy husband at times, a father that was foolish, but he knew God would still be faithful. By faith, Jacob reassured his grandchildren that God would be faithful and take his people to the promised land. And by faith, Joseph planned for life after death. He gave his brothers his last will and testament. And he said in Genesis 50, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land, to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. See the confidence Joseph has in death? He knows the exodus from Egypt will happen. 400 years after this moment, 
when he says these words. That's when it happened. But such was his confidence. He said, when you leave, make sure you take my bones with you to the promised land. All of these men, even as they take their final breath on this earth, full of hope for the future, confident, assured, convinced, no semblance of fear. This is the way to face death, isn't it? This is faith that's confident, secure in the promises of God, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We're all going to come to this point in our lives, all of us in this room. And we can learn so much from these Old Testament heroes of the faith on how to die well. Faith that's confident even in the face of death. But look secondly at faith that's obedient even when it's costly. Faith that's obedient even when it's costly. The writer says in uh, verses 23 to 27, look at the example of of Moses. Now Moses probably would have been the one that, that these guys were waiting for, the name. This is the big name, Moses. And we see here in verses 23 to 27, the writer addressed Moses and his life and his life of faith. We see his parents mentioned too. Here we have faith that's obedient to God, faith that says yes to God and his ways, even when it's costly. Look at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You go back to Exodus chapter 1. The Pharaoh at that time, the king of Egypt, he had ordered that all the Hebrew sons were to be killed to stop the Israelites becoming a great nation, a nation of many people, a threat to the Egyptians. He wanted to snuff out that threat. And so he wanted all of those boys, Hebrew boys, killed, of which Moses was one. But it says that by faith, his parents hid Moses for three months. They weren't afraid, and they kept him alive against the king's orders. The word that's used there, beautiful, that it says, Moses was beautiful. They saw that the child was beautiful. It means special in the original. And God gave Moses' parents some special insight that their son would play a significant part in him fulfilling his promises for his people. We see in this Uh, In these few verses, Christians choosing by faith to obey God rather than the state, not being afraid to step away from what the king's orders are or the government's orders are because they are willing to trust God. It's something that we see elsewhere in the Bible too. If you look at that story in Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 to 22, there's a, a, a moment in that chapter that talks about the Hebrew wives, these women who have been told by the Pharaoh who's in charge, they've been told that they are to abort the Hebrew sons at birth. If it's a daughter, they're to allow them to live. If it's a son, they are to kill them there and then. But it says that the midwives feared God and didn't do what Pharaoh commanded. It says in verse 20, so God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. God blessing these midwives for their uh, obedience to him. Think of the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Three men who refused to bow down to the statue, even though everyone else was doing it. Even though it was the king's orders, they would not worship Nebuchadnezzar. They were threatened with being thrown into a fiery furnace, but they said they wouldn't give in. And there are Christians across the world, even today, who disobey the state in order to remain faithful to God, unwilling to compromise their faith. Preaching the gospel or hearing the gospel being preached, even though it's been commanded that that can't happen. Underground churches meeting across the world, Christians facing persecution in an attempt to get them to renounce their faith. And you know, there may come a time when this is true for us. We have been blessed in many ways with relative peace here. We've been blessed with being free to meet like this, to hear God's word being preached, to meet together and to to practice our faith. But you might have saw recently uh, on the news there was a pastor in Dublin arrested for holding a service a couple of weeks ago. Police who came into a church in London on Good Friday saying that it was unlawful for them to meet. How will we respond if this time comes where our faith in God, we're threatened by the government maybe or the state, will we be unwilling to compromise our faith? Standing in the promises of God. We see in verse 24 to 27, by faith Moses made some incredibly bold decisions in his life. Decisions which cost him so much in worldly ways. Look what it says in verse 24 and 25. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 27, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, Moses obeyed God, even though it cost him his reputation, It cost him incredible wealth and a life of privilege and prosperity. Moses was the pin-up boy of Egypt. He was someone who had uh, an incredibly privileged upbringing. He was someone whose reputation preceded him. He had the whole world at his feet, really, at that time. All the money he could ever wish for. A harem of women to choose from. Endless pleasures at his fingertips. Yet he chose to walk away from it all, to leave it all behind. The writer says he actually chose to be mistreated along with the rest of God's people in Egypt rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He chose to leave Egypt and face the disgrace of Pharaoh, to live for 40 years in exile in Midian and then 40 years wandering around in the wilderness with God's people rather than enjoying the comfort and the wealth and the treasures of Egypt. And why did he do it all? Look at verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He was looking by faith to the reward. The telescope of faith that he was looking through Even though it couldn't be seen by the naked eye, he could see that unseen future treasure. The unseen future reality, the reward of life with Jesus Christ. 
the treasure that was stored up for him in heaven. And he said, that's what I'm living for. That is what I am going to invest my life in. Because I know that that life, that life is infinitely better than anything else I could have here. That unseen eternal reality was the guiding principle of Moses' life. And this is what it looks like to live by faith. Counting the cost, considering life with Jesus of greater value than anything else in this world. That's faith that's obedient, even when it's costly. And the reality is, the day is coming, if it hasn't come already, when living by faith, being obedient to God and his word above everyone else, will cost us too. It may cost us a promotion at work, as we put our family or our commitments to our church family before our career ambitions. It may cost us our reputation with friends or with our work colleagues when we try to strike up conversations with them about our faith in Jesus Christ or when we invite them to come along to a gathering or to a Christianity Explored course or an Alpha course. It may cost us financially as we make sacrifices and generally, uh, generously invest money God has been so good to bless us with in gospel work. It may cost us popularity when we differ from others in our beliefs, holding a a biblical view of marriage between one man and one woman, called a bigot, small-minded, it will almost certainly cost us the comfortable, easy life as we serve others, put them first and their needs above our own. But none of this should come as a surprise to us. This is what Christians throughout generations have done. This is what Christians continue to do. This is ordinary faith. It's what Christians did back then as well, and it's what we see Jesus Christ do. His example, a life of submission and perfect obedience to his Father, cost Jesus Christ everything, even his very life as he died a criminal's death on the cross. The German pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. Letting go, releasing the temporal fleeting attachments of this world that we so often want to cling to. Letting go of them in order to be united to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior forever. That's the Christian faith. And if our faith in Christ renders our lives no different from anyone else out there in the world, then we must ask ourselves some hard questions. What am I holding on to in my life which is weakening and eroding my faith in Jesus or my abiding with him? What am I hiding about myself and my faith in order to protect my reputation my status, my influence in this world? What are the things that I might need to sacrifice and lose in this life in order to save my soul in the next? These are questions that Jesus Christ didn't shy away from asking people. Questions we should never be shy in asking ourselves either. Do you want all the temporary, fleeting pleasures of life now? Or do you want the eternal 
pleasures of heaven which are endless and satisfy forever? Do you want to try and try and try again to gain the perfect life now? Or do you want to know today, right now, the guarantee and the assurance of a perfect life in heaven with Jesus forever? Moses refused the temporary pleasures and privileges of Egypt because he was looking to the eternal pleasures and privileges of heaven promised by God. And as the famous missionary to Ecuador, Jim Elliott, once said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot gain, who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And that's where we see thirdly and finally, faith that's rewarded by the God of salvation. Faith that's rewarded by the God of salvation. This is what the writer has been saying to these Jewish Christians as he's tried to encourage them in their faith to to not shrink back, but to hold their faith in Jesus, to hold their confession. As they endure this hard struggle and as they're tempted looking over their shoulder to, to leave Jesus behind and to go back to their old covenant ways, he says, no Know the reward. Know that a life of faith is one that is rewarded by the God of salvation. It doesn't mean that our faith will be rewarded by God in this life with all the things we could ever want. Material possessions, health, wealth. That's the prosperity gospel and that's no gospel at all. The true gospel is that when our race is run, when we reach that finish line at the end of our lives, when we face death, we can have assurance and confidence that Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, will be there waiting to, open, waiting to welcome us with open arms, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Your race is run. Let me put the crown of life on your head. Enter the rest of your heavenly home. That's the great reward, faith that's rewarded because our God is a God of salvation. He's a God of deliverance. He's a God who has won the victory for us. And that's what we see in these final examples in verses 28 to 31. Look at verse 28. It describes the act of Moses trusting the Passover sacrifice. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Moses Unlike the rest of Egypt, he believed God's warning of judgment. The people, they were to listen and to faithfully obey God's commands. And if they did, God promised that they would be saved from his coming wrath. You can read about the story in Exodus 12. The destroyer of the firstborn, or the angel of death, would pass over the houses with the blood of the, the Passover lamb sprinkled in the doorpost, it would pass over those houses and the firstborn would live. But of all the houses of the Egyptians that didn't have the blood on the doorpost, their firstborn son was killed. Moses believed that the blood of the Passover lamb would save the people. He encouraged the Israelites to trust God, to put their faith in him, to obey his commands, and they would experience salvation. And all of this is just pointing to Jesus Christ. Moses didn't know that at the time. But that's what the sacrifice was pointing to. Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood shed to save his people from God's wrath against sin. And again in verse 29, 
We see Israel's faith being rewarded by deliverance from their great enemy, the Egyptians. Verse 29 says, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This is the story of Exodus 14. The people have fled Egypt. They've left Egypt, that life of oppression that they endured under Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And God delivers them from their enemies. As they stand on the banks of the Red Sea, all that water before them, the the Egyptian army behind them, God, in an incredible act of power, parts the Red Sea, allows his people to walk through unscathed, and then sends the waters back over the Egyptians, killing them all. God delivering his people because they trusted in his salvation, in his deliverance. And the enslavement of the people of Israel to Egypt is just a picture of our enslavement to sin. Our great enemy, the one looking to bring us down to death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. But God says, trust me to lead you to life. Put your faith in me because I'm the God of salvation. Through my son, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, sin has been defeated forever. Forgiveness and life are offered to you today to all who put their trust in Jesus. And just as the the people of Israel experienced victory over the city of Jericho in remarkable circumstances that we read of in verse 30, through God's son Jesus, we experience a greater, a better victory over the powers of sin and death. This was the last city to fall, allowing the people to enter the promised land. And God won the victory for them all on his own. He didn't need them one bit. They didn't even have to lift a finger. Just march around the city walls for seven days, blow the trumpets on that seventh day, and the the walls that were indestructible came crumbling down. God giving them the victory all by his power, by his grace. This This all points to the greater salvation that comes in Jesus Christ. The great reward that we experience through faith in him. That's all that God asks of us. He asks us to trust him, to trust in his promises. And I wonder, have you put your faith in God? The God of salvation, the God who delivers us. Have you trusted in the victory that he offers over sin and death through his son, Jesus Christ. Because when we trust in Jesus, his victory becomes our victory. His death and resurrection offer us forgiveness from sins forever and offer us life in eternity with him forever. Faith that's rewarded by the God of salvation. And here's what verse 31 shows us as we finish with it this morning. This is a reward that's offered to anyone who puts their faith in the God of salvation. Look at verse 31. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab, if you don't know who Rahab was, she would have been someone that would have been quite a a strange person on this list. The last person probably that these Jewish Christians would have expected to be there because she was a Gentile, not a Hebrew, someone who was outside of God's people. She was also a prostitute, one of the lowest 
of the lows in society. But yet she is someone who the writer points to as an example to follow. Why? Because of her faith. She trusted God. She confessed faith in God, the God of salvation. If you go to Joshua chapter 2, you read of, of the account of the spies being hid by Rahab. And she hides them under these uh, stalks of flax on her roof. And as she leaves them and goes back downstairs again to, to allow the, the armies of Jericho to come in to search her home, she says this to them, a, a remarkable confession of faith in verse 9. I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. I know that your God will be victorious. I feel confidence. Not that I've ever seen him before. But I know, I trust that nothing will stop him from giving you the victory. The reward of salvation is for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. For anyone who trusts in the gospel promise and receives Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Maybe you're someone who would say, Well, I've never fit in before when it comes to church. Never felt like I've been welcome there. Rahab shows us salvation is offered to you. You're welcomed into God's family by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're someone who's ashamed of the way that you've been living, thinking God could never accept me, never forgive me for the things I've done. Look at Rahab, the prostitute, forgiven by God because she put her faith in the salvation that he offers. If you're a Christian this morning, I want to encourage you, whatever you're going through in life, whatever the the trials or the testing or the, the suffering that you're experiencing, there is a great reward for those who endure. Your faith is in the God of salvation who has won the victory. As Paul says, there's a reason not to lose heart, to keep going this morning. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. For this light momentary affliction, this light momentary suffering that you're experiencing is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're they're fading away. They're disappearing. But the things that are unseen are eternal, last forever. I want to finish this morning with an incredibly moving story of faith. I heard from a pastor who'd read a book called Killing Fields, Living Fields. It's a very moving account of the Christian church in Cambodia during the horrific persecution of the Khmer Rouge under Pol Potts in the 1970s. It was a time whenever 70% of the Christians died for their faith. And this kind of sets us up as we move into this last section of Hebrews 11 next week because we'll see that faith, it doesn't guarantee us an easy life now, In fact, there are many experiences of faith that we see here uh, in the Old Testament and also right now today where people uh, face death, face incredible suffering because of their faith in in Jesus. The writer describes of this book, uh, Killing Fields, Living Fields, he describes one of the stories of a family dying in faith. 
the faith of the father in this family, which shows the incredible confidence that he has in God and his promises, even in the face of death. Here's what it said. A sickly smell of death hung in the air. Curious villagers lingered, half hidden, watching the familiar routine as the family were ordered to dig a large grave for themselves. Then consenting to the father of the family's request for a moment to prepare themselves for death, father, mother, and children, hands linked, knelt together around the gaping pit. With loud cries to God, the father began exalting both the Chimer Rouge and all those looking on to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. In a panic, one of the young sons of the family leapt to his feet and bolted into the surrounding bush and disappeared. His father jumped to his feet and with amazing calmness and authority prevailed upon the Chimer Rouge not to pursue the boy but to allow him to call him back. Everyone looked on in awe as the father began calling his son, pleading with him to return and die together with the family. What comparison, my son, he called out, stealing a few more days of life in the wilderness, a fugitive, wretched and alone, to joining your family here momentarily round this grave, but soon round the throne of God, free forever in paradise. After a few tense moments, the bushes parted and the boy, weeping, walked slowly back to his place with the kneeling family. Now we are ready, said the father. The family were all killed, their bodies toppling into the grave, but their souls released into the presence of Jesus forever. The eyes of the world look at something like that and think, what a waste. What a needless tragedy for that family. But the eyes of faith, they look and they see the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison which that family have just received, taken hold of as their reward before the throne of God their Father. That's faith in the gospel. Faith that has utter conviction and belief in the promises of God. That's ordinary faith of so many Christians throughout history and so many Christians throughout the world today even. Faith that's confident and steadfast and unwavering even in the face of death. Faith that's obedient to God even when it costs us everything. Faith that obtains a great reward by the God of salvation. Let me pray for us now. Father God, we thank you for how your word encourages us and challenges us, rebukes us at times. We thank you, Lord, for how you speak through your word to us. And Lord, I pray that we would look at these examples of faith and that um, we would our eyes would, would see Jesus, that we would look to him in all of this, to see that the faith of these people was one that was rooted and grounded in the gospel promise that Jesus Christ, through his life and his death and resurrection, offers salvation, a great reward to all those who put their trust in him. Lord, I pray for us this morning, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, that we be strengthened in our faith today, bold, courageous, confident, and assured not in ourselves, but in you, 
as the God who saves, as the God who has won the victory for us, as the God who has for us a great reward in heaven that's stored up, that's being held for us by Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that gives us the assurance of that now today, Lord. And we pray we would be those who persevere and endure in this life, look into the reward, persevering by faith through the times of struggle and suffering that we may face right now. Lord, I pray for anyone today who hasn't yet put their faith in Jesus. I pray today would be the day, Lord, that they see the life that's offered to them, the forgiveness of sins, the acceptance by you, just as Rahab saw, as she believed there was life for her by putting her faith in the God of salvation. Lord, we pray all these things in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen.